0: you here uh fans of the fixer upper show joe and chip there was like a whole window there where that was kind of everybody was watching that and like my wife and i if we have like if we have the opportunity to kind of have a slow saturday morning typically our saturday will start with a cup of coffee on the couch and us watching one of those like hgtv shows where like a house gets completely renovated in the course of like half an hour or an hour or something like that and and one of our favorites uh when it was on was that fixer upper show and and one of the things that they would do in that show if you remember is when the project was completed and the house was all repaired they would bring the family or whoever the homeowners were back and they would reveal the the new home but first they stood and when they opened their eyes instead of seeing the new completely remodeled, completely fixed up home. They saw a canvas that, that revealed what the house looked like when they started, like a reminder, right? This is, this is what we, we started with. And then they would say, are you ready to see your fixer upper and they'd pull back the canvas and you'd see this completely new, completely remodeled, gorgeous home. And there was the, the drama of that. In fact, in kind of television, Um, and it actually started way prior to this we discovered the impact of the before and the after in 1986 oprah winfrey did her very first makeover show on um, on her daytime show and she discovered that it resonated with people and so she began to replicate this she would do it every so often one of her more famous ones i brought a picture of today this couple um, was kind of like grew up in the rock and roll era and hadn't cut their hair for 30 years. And, and so she does this dramatic makeover. And people gasped when they walk out. And it kind of went on from there. It went into uh, the, the home industry. There was extreme home makeover. Right? They would come in and sometimes completely level a house and build it back over the course of a week. That's a pretty dramatic makeover. And the, the, the appeal of this, what draws us into it, is the drama of the before and the after. It, it points us, uh, right, it, it reminds us that sometimes like the, the, what was and what is when we see it, it's almost like hard to believe that this is the same person. And one thing to note here, I think, is that y- you have to be, if you are a participant in this, if you're one of the people who is receiving the makeovers, right, it, it might first offend you. The, on the Oprah Winfrey show, it, it, people started to write in to suggest potential candidates for the show. Sometimes it was spouses, which I just think that's tricky territory to walk into, like, altogether. Sometimes it was friends, a teacher, somebody that you knew in your life, somebody that you cared about, but it starts Right at the point, the recognition that there's something about the current status of things that is in need of a makeover. That's perhaps offensive. And I wonder even today if you can recall some of you, the very first time that you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, And the message that was proclaimed. Because even beyond a, a makeover, a redo, a rehab, the gospel is actually saying we don't, we're not need, in need of a, a freshening up. We are in need of being recreated. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, he speaks directly into this dramatic before and after that, that is us when we are in Christ. A couple weeks ago, if you remember, we started a series entitled The Greatest Chapter, and we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Romans, but specifically chapter 8, which is just loaded with this incredible description of of what Jesus has accomplished in us. It's loaded with this incredible description of life in the Spirit, and if you remember where we started a couple weeks ago, it started with two fundamental truths that Paul says is when we are in Christ, define our reality. He says when we are in Christ that there is no condemnation. Again, this is almost hard to wrap our heads around because we looked at this. When Paul says this, it is exhaustive and it is permanent. So he's not saying that you are temporarily cleaned up. You're not remodeled. He's saying you're newly created permanently. He goes on to say in addition to that, then you have been set free from the law of sin and death. So in Jesus, Paul writes, the, the penalty of sin has been removed from us. And as a result of the penalty of sin being removed from us, we are given the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And now the power of sin, its power over us is broken. Which as you might imagine, as Paul's writing all of this to the church as he's seeking to help us understand who we are in christ he he pictures this as this pretty dramatic before and after this is where we pick things up in romans chapter 8 if you've got your bibles with you this morning we can turn there it'll be on uh, the screens as well but we're going to pick things up in verse 5. romans chapter 8 verse 5 paul writes this he says for those who live according to the flesh, have their minds set on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on things of the Spirit. And now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he he does not belong to him. Now if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit, who lives in you. It's a, it's a pretty dramatic picture of the before and after. It's a pretty dramatic description of what takes place when we are in Christ. And so in doing so, Paul's purpose in helping us understand that is that we would know, he's instructing us and teaching us on what life in the Spirit means. What are the, What's the implications of this? And so we have, to, we have to understand this first at, at this moment of transformation. We have to begin by looking at the transformation. This is where I think the illustration of, of a makeover falls short. Because, of, again, a makeover has a tendency to imply a cleaned up version of the old. But that's not really what Paul's describing here. What Paul's describing here is he's saying this is an entirely new you. So let me ask you a question this morning. When someone someone places their faith in Jesus for salvation, when when, when they place their trust in him as their king, when they're in Christ, as Paul talks about it, what changes? What is is different? Pastor Pastor Brian will frequently say that when we, are in christ he'll say we've been given a new life or sometimes he will talk about it as a new heart we're given a new purpose we're given a new identity and we're given a new destiny in other words it's it's a whole new you perhaps it, it helps to think of it this way i uh, my my three daughters are in the batavia school system or were my oldest is in college now and in the Batavia school systems, when the kids go through this, they give the kids Google Chromebooks. And all their they've got all these websites and they do all their homework and all this stuff is, is, is on the Google Chromebook. And so it's what they know, and it's what they understand and, and they use it pretty much every day. But when my two, my oldest graduated a couple years ago, my middle daughter is graduating this May, and as a part of their graduations, the gift that Sherry and I give them is a laptop for, for college. And so both of my two oldest daughters have chosen to have a, a MacBook instead of a, a Chromebook. And, and it functions differently. It looks very much on the, on the outside very similar. It's got a screen. It's got a keyboard. There's a power button and, and all these basic things. But they function on completely different operating systems. Or in other words, what drives the machine is entirely different. And for them, as they're learning this this new operating system, there's a learning curve. Things are found in different ways. It works in different ways. And effectively, this is what Paul's Paul's describing that takes place in us when we are in Christ. He's saying you, when you are found in Christ, you have been given a, a whole new operating system. This is what Paul here in these verses refers to as the mindset. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on things of the flesh. But those who live according to their spirits have their minds set on things of the spirit. So Paul is saying that when we're in Christ, there is a change, a fundamental change in what drives us. What we operate out of or live out of—the Greek word that Paul uses here for mindset is the Greek word phōnēma, and and phōnēma that that he uses it here in Romans chapter eight, he uses it again in the verb form in in Philippians chapter two, but it eventually, it eventually it essentially means the basic direction of a person's will, the direction that your will is taking you. So this is why for Paul, when we talk about who we are in Christ, he doesn't talk about this idea of a cleaned up former version of ourselves. It's not an update to our existing operating system. We're not as slightly improved, better of ourselves where we've worked out some of, of the bugs. It's a new direction of our will entirely changed towards Christ. Paul, again, in in a different letter to the church at Corinth, just says it so simply but poignantly when he says, when we're in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come. So Paul continues to help us understand the nature of this transformation, and this is where he gets into describing the before and the after. He describes who we were and who we are in Christ. Again, verse 6 now. Paul writes this. He says now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Like I don't have you ever had the experience where Somebody just had a drastic shift in who they are, like they just changed dramatically. Like it's a little bit unnerving if you've ever been around it. I, uh, when I was a kid, I my best friend, I grew up in a little small town in rural Ohio. He lived out in the country, and so he had horses and and all kinds of property, woods. There was a creek that ran through it. We just spent our childhoods out there camping and running around and and causing trouble and um, his parents and I don't even know the whole backstory here but his parents for whatever reason had had moved in with them one of their family members I think it was like a a cousin or an aunt or something like that she was a young adult we were you know elementary middle school age kind of season of life and she was mean like, you just, like, it was clear, I mean, I get, we were, you know, middle school boys, so it was, like, it wasn't, we weren't exactly in our prime, but, like, she, it was clear she did not want you to to be around her. Like, she was difficult and angry all the time, everything that you did was wrong, and, like, you just, it was somebody that that you just avoided. And, again, I don't know the story, I don't know what happened, but she had this, conversion experience with jesus she had an encounter with jesus christ she places her faith in him and she is just different like all like almost like overnight kind of thing here like where she's gracious and she was thoughtful and she was kind and she was gentle like so much so that you were kind of like what's going on right like like you were like she's playing the long game here like we're being set up for something like It made you nervous. And at the time, as a kid, I I was like, is this real? Is this like, I had no context for what I was experiencing. I had no context for this idea of the before and after. But this, Paul, what I now understand is that she had had a, a shift in her mindset, in the basic direction of her will. And for her, it was dramatic. She experienced a change in what her life was about. Notice the contrast here. Paul describes the before. He describes it, he talks about it as the mindset of the flesh. Or other versions uh, translate this phrase as the sinful nature. This is who we are prior to Jesus. And Paul says this, this destination of the mindset on the flesh is what? Death, right? Like it's not, he doesn't caution he doesn't soften it he says this is leading one place he says it's hostile to god it doesn't submit to god's will but not only does it not submit to god's will it's actually unable to do so says in the mindset of the flesh we can't please god so what what paul is describing as the mindset of the flesh is where the governing authority of my life the basic direction of my will is the self it's, it's it's our position apart from Jesus. When, when that's our reality, we will set up the self as the ultimate authority in our lives of what is good and, and what is evil. And it presents itself in, in all sorts of ways. Many of those we will recognize and think about and they seem obvious to us. I think other times and perhaps frequently it, it's, It's camouflage, and it looks a lot like self-righteousness, but it's all leading in the same direction. Paul actually makes this point in his letter to the church in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 5, he's talking about this very same idea, and he's instructing the church along these same lines, and he says it this way. So he's describing describing what life looks like in the flesh. He's instructing them to walk in the Spirit. Verse 16, I say then... Walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. They are opposed to each other, so that they do not do what you want. So you do not do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now verse 19, he says, The works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry sorcery hatred strife jealousy outburst of anger selfish ambition dissensions factions envy drunkenness carousing and anything similar i'm warning you about these things as i warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god i was thinking through this this list of stuff and trying to trying to um capture it in a way that, that we would perhaps more identify with. And I, I was actually drawn, I went to Eugene Peterson's translation of Galatians chapter five. If you don't know, Eugene Peterson translated the Bible and it's, it's part translation, almost part commentary and part like Eugene Peterson is just brilliant and, and says stuff and in, in really, really unique ways. But he, he translated the same passage this way when he's talking about what what the flesh looks like he says it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time he says repetitive loveless cheap sex a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness trinket gods magic show religion paranoid loneliness cutthroat competition all-consuming yet never satisfied once a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. There's a, there's a lot there that immediately jumps off the page as... as relevant to the world around us really all of it but paul's the point is paul saying this is who you were this is who all of us are apart from jesus when the motivational the motivational center of our lives is me and its destination paul says is is death and he's not just talking about a future standing the death that Paul's talking about rather, is what we experience now in a life separated from Jesus. He's saying your current reality when you're living out of the flesh, he's calling that death. So I just want to acknowledge for a minute once again that hearing this it, it can feel offensive to us. It can particularly feel offensive in our our culture, right Where, where the idea of the expressive self is held up as the ultimate good but paul's point is to say but look where it's taking you his desire is not to offend his his desire is to save to to reach us in the midst of it look at where it's taking you look at what the results are look at what paul talks about as the fruit in galatians 5 he says it's death Saying this is, this was the direction of your that your soul was taking. But remember you, he said, you are in Christ. And we have been given a complete new mindset, a complete new operating system. So this is what Paul refers to then as the after. This new operating system. And Paul says in this operating system, the direction of your will is life and peace. There's a shift, there's a change in our status away from Hostility in our relationship with God to one of peace. Earlier in, in, uh, in, the, in Romans, Paul writes this. He says in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a standing, a status. Where once I was living in opposition to him, now I'm living in peace with him. It's not a statement of our circumstances, right? Paul Paul is, he is abundantly clear that in Christ, it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy for you, that there won't be things that are difficult and painful and that you won't experience sorrow. He, he, he never says anything like that. But he says, as it relates to your standing with the almighty, holy God, it's in a position of life and peace. And the before and the after is, is dramatic. It's drastic. It's like when we hear this, right? We're those people who watched our friend come out of the back room after a makeover and it's like, you don't, I don't recognize this person. Like leaves your, your jaw on the floor. Like, wow, is this even the same person? Paul says, this is who you were. You are bound and determined to be your own God and to be your own king. And you lived with a mindset that the destination and the experience was death, but in Christ, the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Which then gets to where he's really driving and where we're going to go in much of of Romans 8, and that's what we'll we'll talk about as the Spirit-empowered life. The Spirit-empowered life. I mentioned that Cherry and I like to, to watch these home remodeling shows on HGTV and and every once in a while you'll see a show or, or they'll come in and they'll walk through the house, they'll show the before, right? And as you're walking through the house, like this is maybe my just my judgmental spirit, but I'm like, this house would be okay if we just cleaned a few things up, right? <laughs> like if we put a few, a few things away and the show will will go through and they'll paint all the walls and they'll put up new cabinetry and everything looks fantastic. It looks brand new. But I always think to myself, I, I kind of want to visit it like six months from now, right? To see if everything's just been left out, if there's clutter everywhere, all this sort of stuff. Because if that didn't change in the person, right, it almost doesn't matter how much money and time and energy you spit on, on the remodel. And this is, this is where Paul's going as it speaks to who we are in Christ. This is his entire line of thinking. Because it's the impact of the Holy Spirit in us. So look at how he wraps up here in verses 9 through 11. I'm still in Galatians. Here we go. He says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Okay, we're we're going we're gonna to dive into this in, in much greater depth in the, in the next week or so. But I, wanna, I want us to just take note of a couple of the implications that Paul makes that I think is critical to our understanding about about the implications, the truth that, the, that we have the Holy Spirit in us. Note a couple things here. First, Paul says that the Holy Spirit is the seal of authenticity. The Holy Spirit for us is the seal of authenticity. Otherwise, according to Paul, the distinguishing mark, the distinguishing indicator of those who are in Christ is the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you the ESV translates that the spirit of God dwells in you and I I, we just let let that sink in for a moment because I I, I'm afraid oftentimes that this is something that we um, neglect the fundamental truth that the spirit of God lives in us that we are never alone that we're never operating by ourselves, that we're never, we're never in a situation where we are completely isolated or completely lonely. The spirit of the almighty creating living God lives in you when we are in Christ. Like that, that matters. That has implications. And Paul goes on from there. As dramatic as that is, look at what he says next. Because he says the power of the spirit is at work in you, and this is not. This isn't just any power. Paul says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. I think think back to what Paul said about what life looked like in the flesh, right? Think about where that was leading. Its its destination was death, but Paul's saying that that the power that was able to overcome the grave is at work in you to build in you the character of Christ. So when he said like the works of the flesh is obvious, right? He then goes on to say later in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is what the Spirit is producing in you. So he's saying it's it's working out love and joy and peace and Patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. The character of Christ being worked out in you. The power of the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is producing. He is working in you. He lives, dwells in you to create these things in you. Right. So the question for, for us becomes, am I, am I harnessing this? Am I, am I partnering with him in this? Because he's really good at his job. He's very effective at it. And, and for us, I think Paul's implication in it is, is are, you, are you partnering with it? Are you accessing it? Is it something that you are allowing to unfold in your life? And then thirdly, he says, the Holy Spirit secures our future. This is again in verse 11. He says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead Lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. The whole, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the spirit that will resurrect those who are in Jesus. This is this is our confidence and our security. It's not about our ability. It's not about something that you've accomplished, some status that you've achieved. This is about what. He is able to do next week we'll talk about this because paul's going to describe it as our inheritance what is our inheritance for those who are in christ we have the spirit dwelling in us the same spirit who raised jesus from the dead dwells in you this is paul's point point. and paul paints this dramatic picture of the before and the after and he's doing so in part to instruct the church. Don't live like a former self. That's not who you are. That's not your identity anymore. You have the spirit of the living God dwelling in you. This, this informs and instructs what you're about and who you are. It's your identity. It's all of it. It's a complete new operating system. He's like, understand it. and It affects the way that we live. Where we once lived in a mindset of the flesh. We have now been given a mindset of the Spirit. And Paul, going forward, is going to say, so live like it. Live like it. Don't, don't return to the, the before. You, in Christ, have been transformed. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day, and thank you for the opportunity on this Mother's Day to be able to gather together and to, to be in community together to celebrate and to remember And to pray for each other, Lord, for these dedications that we had this morning, Lord. We continue just, God, grab a hold of those little boys' lives and continue to lead them to you. Would you bless those families? But for each of us, Lord, would we be reminded of the, the transformation that is available in Jesus and the dramatic before and after that is our lives in you? And we thank you for that, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Before I offer this morning's benediction, I wanna just highlight a couple things that we got going on uh, here in the life of the church. In um, and, and just a couple weeks, if you have connected to Chapel Street, you're somewhat new with us, we have a Next Steps event that's coming up. Um, this will take place at our Kesslinger campus. There's lunch served uh, May 22nd. And so I encourage you to get signed up for that. It's a great way to find out more information about the church, about ways to get plugged in, um, small groups, all of that. Um, so that's coming up on May 22nd. Uh, there is a men's event coming up also in May, uh, bocce ball, there are bags, bocce ball, and barbecue. So I think men really love alliteration, I guess, but um, that's coming up. It's, it's $10. The barbecue is going to be from Noble House. That will cover all your food. It's a great way to bring a friend and just um, do community together. So we encourage you to to be a part of that and I wanted to let all of you know that in the summer we are going to in June I want to say it's 11th or 10th do I have that 12th beginning June 12th It's right there I was close I was I was in three and I consider that a win Um, we're going to go to our summer schedule which means we will be here at 10 a.m. during the summer so we're excited for that it gives us a chance to all be together um, which I really love and always look forward to. So mark that on your calendars, and, and we're excited for that. Would you stand with me, receive this morning's benediction? If we can pray with you this morning, um, our prayer team is available. That is one of the ways that we care for each other in community. It's a privilege to do that, to walk with each other. If you came prepared to give today, our generosity boxes are by the two side doors. Um, we're so grateful for you. Now receive this morning's benediction. Go now in the name of Jesus Christ who in Christ has changed the very direction of our wills and has given us the Holy Spirit the power of him who raised Jesus from the dead living inside of us Lord continue to to work out in us the character and nature of Jesus and we ask all these things in your name Amen